In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're gonna have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. All right, we are going to get fired up here. This is something that we are really passionate about. We are all set to do it. We have a glass of our favorite red wine, the absent-minded professor from a friend of ours up in Central Valley, California here. And we are going to be talking about when physical therapists get in the way of their own patient success. We do this all the freaking time. And most of us don't really understand when we're doing it because it's hard and we have to actually, you guys know, I love talking about taking an introspective look, but you have to look at your own biases, your own, see what lens you're looking at your patient through in order to understand when we actually our own experiences are actually being the limiting factor to our patient care or to our advice to our patients. And what are some examples of those? Because we sit there and talk about, is that really in the patient's best interest or is that something that you are projecting onto them, right? In terms of the advice that you're giving. So, you know, what comes to mind first with this is an example of, and and this is going to end up being a series because I see series went so great. So, a couple of weeks ago, we had an IC series where we did the IC myths. It ended up being a three-part series because we got so fired up about a lot of them. Guys, we planned on that being like one like 25 minute episode. Yeah. We're just going to like bust through these eight myths. Like, hurry up. I did it really... I did it when I was on another podcast. Like I can just like bust through these myths and then I got talking. All of a sudden, an hour and a half later, we realized that we cannot subject you guys to an hour and a half thing. And this... What we have to talk about here is going to be like Lord of the Rings long. So we are (laughs) totally because I seriously, I feel like so passionate about this. We cannot be the limiting factor to our patient's care for any reason. My schedule can't be that right. I've decreased my patient hours. And that's one of the first things I say to people that actually get on my schedule for an initial evaluation, since I'm mostly turfing all of those to my employees now. So it's like if somebody happens to basically be a squeaky wheel enough to get on my schedule, then one of the first things we say is that my schedule of treating patients two days a week is not going to be a limiting factor to your care. You if I'm going to give you my recommendation on how the frequency and duration that you're going to have pelvic PT, then you need to do that. Now, the whole crux of this series, though, is that if they say to me, I only want to see you, then they are making an informed decision then. 
I am saying your treatments are not going to be consistent if you only see me. What I am recommending is that you see one of our other team members in conjunction, right? And so if they then choose to do that, I'm not going to get personally offended at that patient's choice. It's their choice. To me, all our job is to lay out the what we think in all honesty so that they can make an informed decision. That's it. That's what our job comes down to. And you talk about the difficulty of accepting that their decisions without making it personal. Right. Without any judgment. It's like, that's cool. If you want to do that. Awesome. I'll see you next month. But then it's about patience and not about like patience, P-A-T-I-E-N-T-S, but patience, like being patient, P-A-T-I-E-N-T. Wait. Nope. <laughs> what am I trying to say? Patience. How patience do you spell with patience? a C. Right. How do you spell that? Go. P-A-T-I-E-N-C-E. Patience. Okay. Spelling so, bee champ, same arguments. <laughs> I am seriously so bad. This is the exact reason why I cannot write a freaking book to save my life. I can't even spell that. What's that called? Is that a homonym? I don't, you can't spell the word homonym? No, but a homonym is something where like they, they sound the same, but they're actually different. This yes, is a literary homonyms, term. Yes. Booyah. Hey. There and there, for literary example. Literary term. Okay. Anyways. Onomatopoeia is another one. Nicole, okay. do you know what that is? No, wait, this is, we're getting off on a tangent now. I don't care what you have to say. What I do <laughs> care about is that, wait, now I forgot what I was saying. Patience versus patience. Oh, right. If they choose to have that their choice. They're, they've made the decision. I've given them my, my recommendation. They are now choosing in this example, the patient says, I don't want to see any of your other amazing team members. I only want to wait for you. Then I'm like, cool. You understand then that I'll see you in six weeks. And that's not what I recommend. They say, fine. They come back in six weeks and they start bitching about how they're not better and whatever. It's like, that's not on me. I told you what my recommendation was. I anticipated this issue. And so then if you, they come to me and they start saying like, oh, well, it's not that much better. Like, I don't really know if this is working, whatever they're all saying. It's like, then again, we don't say I told you so, which is what I'm kind of thinking in my head, mm-hmm. frankly. But I'm saying, look, this is what we I thought might happen. Unfortunately, what I really recommend is that you're coming consistently, especially at this beginning time. And so that's okay. Now that you've seen what your choice is, how do you feel about trying it my way for a second? That's it. I don't freaking care what they choose if they choose again, not my way. Okay, I'm going to do the best I can with the choices that they're making, period. I'm not taking it personally. All my job is, is to give them my honest opinion, a recommendation. And at the end of the day, I don't want my information to be a limiting factor to their success. Absolutely. And this is one of where I actually have an opinion. And for (laughs) our longtime listeners, you know that I'm I would say the voice of reason and what does that mean? Well, my job is basically to pull the pin on Nicole's grenade and then watch the explosion. go off. (laughs) Fine. So, but I actually feel really strongly about this from a patient perspective because that's my 
perspective, right? Is I'm not a physical therapist. I didn't go to physical therapy school. I didn't have a lot of this stuff drilled into me. And when I talk to patients on the phone who have been discharged because they quote unquote, weren't making enough progress because their physical therapist, you know, ran out of benefits and they didn't want to fight to renew them or fight for that. There always seems to be this sense that patients aren't given the ability to make their own decisions. Like that we're having decisions made for us by people. And as a patient myself, right? I mean, I'm going to different things. I'm going to different places. Honestly, that feels really disrespectful to me. Like I have the ability to make my own mind up about who is providing value, about how often I want to come, about whether I'm willing to change my habits in life. A lot of times the language around this comes off as so, I want to say the word again, disrespectful to me as a patient. Right. And I think this is exactly what us as PTs need to understand how what we say might come off to patients, right? Because we get drilled into our head out of PT school and then beyond of we need to be the ones to like tell patients how many times to come. And then all of a sudden we can get like personally affronted if they don't choose our recommendation. But in either direction, right? Whether they want to come in more than you recommend or whether they don't want to do that and come in less. Right. And so, yeah, that's a great point, right? Because sometimes it's like I'm choosing, I say, you know, I really think you need to come once a week. And then they say, well, can I come in more times than that? Would I get better faster if I came in twice a week? And so the crux here is that you need to be honest. For somebody that has stress urinary incontinence, who's had it for six weeks, and is three months postpartum, maybe, maybe coming in more times actually might be better. I would still probably recommend coming in once a week, but that answer could potentially be like, yeah, depending on your lifestyle, your just willingness to do home exercise, your time, all of that stuff. What, what are you able to commit to? Because we've seen people like this, right? Who's somebody who walks in the door and is like, I'm a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. I am not dealing with this shit. Oh, right. So oh, you, yeah, maybe. You tell me what I need to do and I will do it. I will have my assistant schedule that. I will fly back here if I need to, to get treated. I want you to tell me exactly what the absolute best thing for me is. Money's not an option. Time's not a problem. Just tell me what it is versus that's totally different than somebody who's actually having a hard time swinging the time or money to get in and may need to spread those out a little bit more. Totally. And yeah, but, and then, you know, to go back to my original thing, right. Which was like, okay, so somebody that has stress urinary incontinence that's, you know, three months postpartum. Yeah. Maybe coming in twice a week might actually help you to get to your goals faster. Totally. I mean, there is an element of time in the healing process and all of that other stuff. We can talk about that on a different podcast, but, but the answer might be yes. Now, my answer to somebody that says I've had pedental neuralgia for 15 years and I've tried 16 different therapists and two different doctors and five acupuncturists and two chiropractors and all three of that. Three Tarlov cyst removal surgeries. Right. Like it's not even a thing, but, but yeah, not three Tarlov cyst surgeries. We've had people who've had multiple Tarlov cyst removals. No, we haven't. Who? Well, we can't say their name on air. We've had one person with with one with multiple. That's it. 
I accept your apology. Okay. <laughs> so annoying, you guys. Anyways, so he was trying to make a point, and it wasn't even that good. Right, but we were saying that you've had this person with pedental neuralgia who's done everything, who's been to every specialist, who's been to every doctor. They might not be appropriate for... for right. That person, my honest answer is like, no, coming here more often is certainly not in your best interest, right? I don't recommend that you come multiple times. I recommend that you come once a week for a longer period of time versus twice a week to hit some number of visits, right? That That's honesty. And that's my opinion. And there are certain times when you are like putting your foot down and being like, no, you are not. I'm not allowing you to schedule twice per week, really, at that point. But there are some people where it's, yeah, well, let's see. Let's try that for X amount of time. And then we'll see where you're at. And we can adjust from there. I want to go back to that point you made about really like clinical honesty. And I love the way that you always phrase that because you always talk to people saying in an ideal world, dot, dot, dot. And that just seems like such a great way to phrase that. You're just being completely clinically honest in if there were no limitations, if I was not a limited, nothing, here's what I would do. Yeah. My patients would probably laugh if any of them are, are listening, which most of them aren't, but could be of a few are. Yeah. I always say in a perfect world, I think that actually comes from my dad. My dad says that all the time. Well, in a perfect world, in a perfect world, my son-in-law wouldn't be here. <laughs> in a perfect world, da 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 My dad always used to say that to me. It's like, in a perfect world. And then sometimes I would say like, yeah, dad, it's not a perfect world. And he was like, you're right. But in a perfect world, this is my, <laughs> this is my recommendation. This is what I think you should do. This is what would happen. And then we can adjust from there. And if we think about what our advice to patients would be, regardless of your setting, regardless of your insurance situation, regardless of your years of experience, all you can really do is that with your pelvic PT degree, experience, all of that, in a perfect world, what would you recommend to patients at that time? What would you recommend to that patient at that time? And that's all we can really do. I think that is maybe going to be the title of this series. I don't know. We're going to have to go back and think of it. But really getting into drilling down to clinical honesty where it doesn't letting go of all of the projections, all of the things you were drilled into with PT school, all of the assumptions that you have about our practice, all of the things you've been told or heard about with chiropractors. And that's why we're not going to, we're going to be like somehow so different than all of them. Right. Wellness is a dirty word. Wellness is a dirty word. Like maintenance is not skilled physical therapy. Like all this bullshit that has been infiltrated into our minds about our profession. What do you really freaking think? I want you to think about what do you, you, the pelvic physical therapist, with as much experience as you have, whether that be one year, two year, five years, whatever. And frankly, if you have less than five years experience, you need to be asking someone else because you really don't have that much experience to draw off of anyways, which is a whole other podcast for a different day. Podcast. But you know, you can still have an opinion that is rooted in what you believe at the time. And that's, that's fine. And you need to Practice like that. And you need to tell your patients what you think. 
But drilling down to clinical honesty. That's the Yeah, that's you what we're have to, to be to. able to be honest with your patient. And that's what I mean, when we talk about pelvic sanity and like our, our mission and what we believe, right? We want to be the place that provides the kind of care we want for our friends and family. What would you want your mom, your sister, your husband, your best friend hearing? If you were just giving them advice, if you weren't treating them, how do you drill down to that clinical honesty? And we identified now six different areas where mindset a lot of times gets in the way of that. And I'm going to tee them up and I'm going to let Nicole give you a real brief overview. We're going to do a deep dive into each one of these as we go along. But the first one is you are not the arbiter. And that's going to be the start of all of this, right? You don't get to judge. You don't get to arbitrate. You're not the arbiter of their when. This is huge, you guys. You are not the arbiter of your patient's choices on when to discharge, when to see another practitioner, when to have a surgery. You're not the arbiter of any of that. All your job is, is to tell them what you know about their case and about their potential choices. That's it. And when you tell them that you really feel like they would benefit from a psychology consult because of this, that, and the other thing, or the 8 million other reasons why they would be appropriate to see a psychologist, and they say, no, I don't want to, I'm not ready to, I'm not financially able to, all of those things, it's like, that's there when they're not ready. Therefore, what are you going to do about it now? Now that they've said that's not my when, what are you going to do? Right. Do you just stop care? No, that shouldn't be your answer, right? It shouldn't be like, oh, well, when you decide to make the decision that I think is best for you, then I can go ahead and treat you. That's a bullshit. Like, get out of that mindset. You, their when is not what you are the arbiter of. This is like the conversation you were just saying with your dad, right? Where, hey, in a perfect world, and you're saying, hey, it's not, hey, a, it's perfect not a perfect world. world I'm not ready to do that. I'm not ready to commit the time, the money, the emotional, whatever it is to do that. Yeah, I've said this a lot to people with EMDR, right? I've said we've had multiple conversations. I've built up a ton of trust. I've been like, you know, I really think that EMDR could be a game changer for you to deal with that specific trauma, either big T or little T, right? And it's like, they say, I don't really want to go there. And I'm like, my job at that point is to figure out why not. What are some of the barriers? Are any of those barriers that you're saying no to right now are things that I can actually help you with? And sometimes, guess what? The help is actually getting them to just articulate out loud why they're not ready. And then guess what? A lot of times they're ready. But that's not my decision. That's theirs. And we can help facilitate that. So we are not the arbiter of their when. We're also not the arbiter of their finances. You guys, seriously, you need to look at how you grew up with money. You personally, not the patient, not how the patient grew up about money, how you, you, the pelvic PT, grew up around your idea of finances, money, money saving, what you spend money on, all of that. We are not the arbiters of our patient's finances, period. We're not the arbiters of what insurance plan they take. We're not the arbiters of what they choose to spend their money on. We're not the arbiters of anything around the money that they choose to spend on either healthcare or other things. 
period. End of story. We're going to go into a ton about this and why this gets in the way of our recommendations to patients on how often they should come on all of that stuff. And we're going to talk about the insurance mindset of that and of the cash PT mindset of that. But we are not, we did not go to accounting school. We are not financial advisors. We are not any of that. And most of us don't know shit about that anyways, right? That's why all of us aren't good business people is because we don't have any good information on finances. That's why all you guys got all this student loan debt. Seriously, right? But what a fucking good financial thing was that? I mean, are you kidding me? And now all of a sudden we're going to project onto our patients like what they should and shouldn't do with their money? Seriously, go sit on a tack. No, <laughs> that we are not the arbiter of our patients' finances. And we're going to go through a whole friggin' podcast on this. And we're going to have a lot more to say a about that. A lot to say about that. And I want you guys out there who are business owners to realize that these are business decisions as well as clinical decisions. So we're talking about this all in the clinical light. And it's super important that way. But this also 100% impacts your business in a way that you would not even comprehend. A lot of times when we're mentoring with people, these mindsets are the first things that we talk about. It's not marketing. It's not accounting. It's not any of that other stuff. It is this getting out of your way with these things. And if you happen to have employees, that is also something that you need to hash out with because every single person on your staff has a different set of issues that they have to deal with too. And then how are you going to deal with that? We'll go into that a little bit as well. So you're not the arbiter of their when, you're not the arbiter of their finances, and you are not the arbiter of their time. Dude, we have so many stories about this. It's going to be so good that that podcast, put it on the calendar to watch out for this series. We are not the arbiter of our patient's time. We are not the arbiters of how long it takes someone to get somewhere, right? We have plenty of people driving past multiple other pelvic physical therapists. And that's not to say that like physical therapists aren't bad. It's just that that person is choosing to drive one hour to our place because they believe in what we're putting down. Right. And that's not my job necessarily to say, whoa, 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 whoa. You, know, you know, there's actually like quite a few pelvic PTs that are closer to you. This is like the out of town program, too. If someone decides if we put out what we have to offer and someone decides that they want to spend money on flying out to California and having this thing. Yeah. Are there a lot of places in between here and Brazil, the, in, here in Australia, here in New Zealand, here in the UK, the Netherlands, all of these places that people have flown out to our clinic for? Sure. But like, now if someone says to me, do you have another pelvic PT in the area? Or we know that they'd be like not a great fit to come to our clinic, right? But can we provide a service to them and their time and their, we're not the arbiter of their time and their finances or what they believe is going to help them. And getting back to being a patient, right? Respect what they want to do. If they, I mean, about a quarter of our people drive at least an hour to see us. Mm-hmm. And that is their prerogative. They are feeling the value of that. And if we get nervous about that, if we start projecting and saying, oh, that's too far of a drive for you, then we're doing them a disservice. They know. They're not, they're not idiots. They I mean, know that they there's places that they're know. passing and they're going here because they feel confident. They feel that this is the place for them. They feel like there's not going to be any back and forth that they they know that they're getting the best care. 
and that is worth to them the extra half an hour in the car each way. The exception to this would be, again, honesty being the best policy, is that if your patient has pedental neuralgia, and we've had a couple of these people that want to drive an hour and a half and sitting in the car is their number one trigger for pain, then of course we need to modify our recommendations because that's the right thing to do. But we ultimately though, we are not the arbiters of our patient's time. We're gonna go into so much more about that. Next one, you're not the arbiter of your patient's why. This comes to mind, like the example that we're gonna go into a ton here is somebody that comes to your clinic who has a diastasis recti and they're calling it their mummy pooch, right? All they want to do is get their body back to looking how it looked before. All of us physical therapists are like, ah, we have like so much anxiety about like, oh, have great body image. Like don't, it doesn't worry, you carried a baby, all these things. But if that patient wants their diastasis to go away because it will look better, we're not the arbiters of that person's decision, period. What do we need to do in order to get that person's pressure system, abdominal core canister functioning better? We're not the arbiters of the why. And there's a ton of different whys, right? I mean, there is, you know, the person who comes in and just wants to be able to ride their bike. There's a person who comes in and wants to be able to jump on the trampoline with their kids. We're not the arbiters of, of what is a good or a bad reason to come to physical therapy. 100%. And so we're going to go into a ton of that as well and give you lots of examples of how we are not to judge their why. We are not the arbiters of their compliance, quote unquote. Yeah, this is number five. Oh, brother, this is going to be a doozy when we get there. I hate using the term, my patient was non-compliant. And we do this all the time. And that is our knee-jerk reaction to if your patient isn't getting better and they're not doing their home exercise routine that you've set them out, all of a sudden that is the only reason why they're not getting better. And we're going to talk about a whole bunch of ways that that is not how we should be thinking about it, right? You are not the arbiter of their compliance, period. If I ever do a spinoff podcast, it's going to be the non-compliant patient because that's all of us, basically. That's Every single person. 100%. Are you freaking kidding? Like you were acting like we are like this perfect, like patient as well. If we put ourselves in the other role, OMG, no way. We would be just as pissed at us for telling ourselves to do the home exercise program that we're projecting onto all these patients. And it's like, uh-uh, we come up with every friggin' excuse in the book. And then all of a sudden we judge our patients for that as, oh, well, they're not getting better because they're not doing what I told them to do. How friggin' pompous is that, honestly? That's a great point, Nicole. And that is, it's interesting how we have so much sympathy for ourselves and our own situation. And then none for other people. Yeah, as right? soon as you say, as soon as you tell somebody to like, oh, well, all I told you to do was like these four things. And then they come back and they're not better and they're and they admit that they're not doing it. It's like they should get some credit for at least admitting they're not doing it. A and B, maybe you weren't that convincing in the first place. Well, and how we're many of talk us a have lot done, about that? Yeah, how many Holy of us have God. done that where we were like, oh, I'm, it's New Year's Eve. I'm going to man, I'm going to diet, I'm going to exercise, I'm going to eat good, I'm going to go to church every Sunday, whatever it is. Like, 
We always have grace for our own failures, but it's really hard to have that for other people. Yeah, totally. 100%. Dude, this one, that one's going to be freaking great. This whole series is going to be great. <laughs> We're really I excited. I get so if you guys couldn't tell, shit. we are ready to go here. You finally, you are not the arbiter of your patient's life choices. Dude, this is really complimentary to number four, which is like, you're not the arbiter of their why. You're not the arbiter of their life choices at all. If you have a person with prolapse who wants to get back to running at six weeks postpartum because they're a freaking fitness model and they have a business around postpartum athleticism and we think that that shouldn't be like that's not a hundred percent like what we would choose i'm not the freaking arbiter of what she's chosen to do for her job what my job is at that point is to get them better in the best way possible given the circumstances and that is that what this podcast that podcast is going to all be about given the circumstances that your patient is in how can you be the best PT you can possibly be. If your person says that they want to have a hysterectomy because they just want their uterus out, like, okay, here's my job. My job is to give you the reasons why the pros and the cons, if there are any pros, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but in each patient situation, maybe it is. Maybe they have adenomyosis. I don't know. Bottom line is that we are not the arbiter of our patient's life choices. What were the what our job is, is to take their life choices and help to modify their pelvic PT treatment in order to meet their goals. That's it. Without any judgment, without any getting all our panties in a bunch about something, if they're not listening to us, without them adopting our own beliefs and own life choices, period, end of story, we have to be able to adapt to that without judgment. Guys, we are so excited to be running through those. We are going to be recording those and putting them out for you very soon here. But basically, this entire series is talking about how to get out of the way of our patient's own success and, and the ways that Nicole sees that over and over again. And we see that with our mentoring. We see that in business. We see that clinically. These are huge stumbling blocks for a lot of people out there. And most of the time, what it comes down to is that if we're not taking a good look at our own self, then we are, we can be and become the limiting factor to our patient's success. And everyone listening to this podcast, I'm here to tell you that's not allowed. If you're listening to the Pelvic PT Rising podcast, it, you are not allowed to be the limiting factor to your patient's success, period, end of story we're super excited for this series for you guys i hope you are as excited as we are truth nicole is going to be spitting fire over the next few weeks with all this stuff so we really hope you guys tune in we really want to keep this conversation going and let's continue to rise